Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Off Guard. I'm Pasha, and as always, I'm with my co-host, my guy, Austin Rivers. Austin, how you doing? What's up, man? Good to be back. Felt like we haven't done this in a while after the, what is it, two-week hiatus with All-Star break and everything. Yeah, and we uh, we went to Miami together during All-Star, and I really appreciate you kind of letting me tag along. That was fun. Crew out there. We had a good time. We had a good time. Yeah, I really did. appreciate it. Yeah, that was fun. We had automatic stop on the way out at Steve's Pizza. pizza. Shout out to Steve. <laughs> that was our, yeah. that was like our saving grace. What was that, Sunday we went back? Yeah, Sunday. Yeah, I think it was Sunday. Do you feel rejuvenated now? You feel good? You ready to go for the last part of the season? I am. I feel I feel really good. Uh, you know, I spent those first two days, obviously, with you and, and our friends all down in Miami. We pretty much just had dinner, ate, laid out at the beach, partied, and then... You kind of have fun doing that for two days. And then after that, you just go back to, uh, I got to go back home with my family, my kids for four or five days straight, really just work out, be with the family, uh, get some workouts in, stay in shape. You know, those, those couple of days in Miami usually are just kind of like get your mental just away for a little bit. Just go be a grown up, go have some fun. Uh, and, uh, I thought we did it right. We were only there for like what a day and a half, Friday, Saturday, in and out. And then back to reality. About, yeah. Back about to 36 work. hours. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, you're obviously a Florida boy and you've been in Minnesota this season. What was it like coming back and getting some of that, that, that fresh air, that sunshine? Man, it was so good just to be outside. That was the best part of my trip, honestly, was just being in Florida, just, you know, driving around, feeling the wind, uh, seeing the sun, getting that vitamin D, being able to, you know, play with my kids at the park. Uh, you know, took them to the ice cream store, walking up and down Park Avenue, down there at Winter Park. Or when we were in Miami, obviously we just kind of laid out by the beach. Um, was still able to get workouts in all, all All Star break, so just staying in shape while doing all this was really really nice. And doing it in Florida, where I love to be at, was was even better. Did you always go to Florida for your All Star breaks, or did you kind of have I've a place always, you went yeah. all all eleven years? I usually don't do vacations. I mean, Miami is like the most I'd ever do. You know, I, we went out one of those nights, two of those nights, and had dinner and just hung out with friends. That's the most I'll do on a vacation. I don't ever like to get too out of touch because I don't feel like I don't ever want to. I don't want to say get out of shape because I don't even know if there's enough time for that. But just even get out of routine or get out of like you know whatever. You know, I don't want to over drink or overeat or do anything out of character, you know, all-star break, you know, you got to have a good time a couple of days, but I, I stay with it, stay working out that way. All-star break. I'm, I'm fresh mentally, but also physically. And I'm actually ready to go out there and perform tomorrow night and not be like slacking and stuff. So I feel really good mentally and physically. All-star break was just what I needed. Family time was just what I needed. So it was great. I feel like everyone in the world is kind of shitting on the all-star game this year saying it was, you know, the lowest ratings. That was disgusting. All-star game. That was terrible. Right. And, and everyone's done it to death, what they could do to kind of make it better and everything like that. What do you think? I, I know growing up, the All-Star Game was probably our favorite weekend of the year. We were obsessed with it. What could we, what, what about it back then did you love that they, maybe they could bring back and make it enjoyable again? You know, the reality is 
a lot of this is due to just how big the game is and how much money guys are making now. And the All-Star game just being, I don't want to say insignificant, but the badge is more so what it's about now than actual, you know, than, than actual game. You go back in the 80s and 90s, you know, you didn't have social media. You didn't have all these things. So when the All-Star game happened and you were named an All-Star, it was your time to go against a Kobe or, or, a, or a Michael or a Magic or, you know, whatever era. And those guys really like competed, man. Like it was, it was a thing. You know, the first, second quarter, they'd kind of mess around, fuck around. And then by the third, fourth quarter, they were like really playing defense, going at it. And like the fans really got to enjoy that, that game where you got 15, you know, what's it? How many per team? 14, 12, 12, right? 12, 24. You got 24 players out there, uh, on, on, you know, on the basketball floor that are the best basketball players in the, in the NBA right now in the world, uh, to where now, it's some guys, you know, you know, they obviously guys go down and then you have reserves and there's all these events and, you know, a lot of guys, you know, didn't want to do it. And I think location's important. I, I love Utah, but this is ridiculous. And next year it's in Indianapolis and I don't have a problem with Indianapolis, but what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like when it was right, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl has a group of cities that they rotate. Bro, they rotate because that, that, yeah. that's exactly where people want to be at. Hint, hint, warm. Nobody wants to, we're all winter. It's a winter sport all year. And the, the all-star break is supposed to be fun and festivities, man. Like you, we guys want to get out there and not only have a good time, but they want to be able to have some type of relaxation. P people went to Utah and couldn't wait to, you know, the players per se, couldn't wait to get out there. You saw Lucas, the interview. They said, what's your favorite part about, all, you know, all-star? He said the, the, the plane ride to, to Cabo after. You know what I mean? Like that that right there in a nutshell kind of tells you the mindset of these players going into an All-Star game. Next year, next, next year's in Indianapolis, man. It should be in Miami, uh, uh, Phoenix, Los Angeles, New York. It could be in Texas. A you Texas could do, city. And you could, you could do a Dallas or an Atlanta or a Houston and just rotate them. And just rotate them. That those cities would not only would I, I think also players play hard. You go there and you got you're in LA and everyone who's who's at that game and these guys are compete. They kind of you saw what happened a couple of years ago when those guys were really getting after it towards the end of the game. Like that's what I was gonna say. That was the most competitive All Star game I ever saw when they introduced the Elam ending yeah, uh, three so years ago. I that, think players at the end of that game were afraid to shoot. It was like the nerves were high. I thought that was one of the best ones. And to go from the best to the least competitive in that short amount of time. I just don't understand it. I, I think, and I think Adam Silver's done an amazing job, obviously in his uh, in his time as as commissioner. Uh, but the All Star Game is a, a pivotal weekend for our, for our sport and for our brand. And I just think they've done a really poor job with it. Um, I even think all these extra. I think if you're going to add all these nuances to the game, they're already you know we're going to get to it later. They were talking about you know mid season tournament and all this other garbage. If you want to change stuff, at a one-on-one -on -one, uh, contest, uh, winner gets you know a million dollars to his choice of charity. Do you know how hard guys be playing? You know, what I mean, for a million dollars for his charity. You know, what I mean, that's that's a big deal. Uh, something like that would really change the dynamic. The three-point contest is great. The dunk contest has gone to shit. Um, I, I'm I was very entertained by Mac McClung. He did an amazing job. Uh, he held it down. But at the end of the day. Uh, and that's nothing against Mac. Again, Mac did an amazing job. He he made the contest entertaining for everybody to watch because everybody was not looking forward to it until he did his thing. And I'm happy for him. But I I I, I want to see LeBron James in a dunk contest. And I know he's past that now, so that's done. I want to see John Morant do it. I want to see Anthony Edwards get in there. I want to see 
uh, who else? I mean, whatever. Zion, uh, you, some of the best athletic stars, the best players in the league. Those are the guys I want to see in the dunk contest. Shit, Jalen Brown, he, he's super athletic. You know, so one of those guys uh, is who I want to see in the dunk contest. Um, it would make the dunk contest so much more entertaining. And it wouldn't even be about the dunk per se. It'd be just about seeing that player do the dunk. You know, you go back and you watch LeBron James in that McDonald's All-American dunk contest where his none of his dunks were out of this world or crazy. A lot of it was just him throwing off the glass and catching. But it was LeBron James doing it and his head's above the rim and he's throwing it down. It's kind of like what Dominique Wilkins used to do with such power. And because who that person was doing it, it meant a lot. You know what I mean? Like it just, it was cooler to see. Um, these guys are heroes. Like when Vince Carter was out there doing it and obviously Michael Jordan back in the day and everything like that, Kobe, these guys are heroes people look up to and they want to see them dunk. I they totally want to see, it's just a different, exactly. There's a different energy to it. There's a different energy to There's. I mean, listen, you want to talk about a dunk contest, go look at YouTube, the Flight Brothers and, and all these guys. There's guys out there that can't play a lick of basketball, but they can jump over the basket. If you go hire a couple professional volleyball players that, that compete in the Olympics to do dunks, you should see how those guys dunk. No one gives a fuck. No, no excuse. No, I mean, no, no, no uh, disrespect, but it's just the truth. What I would get out of seeing a star player do it just means a lot. And you go back and look at that Vince Carter dunk contest. Tracy McGrady was in that. Steve Francis was in that. You know what I mean? Like good players were in that dunk contest. You know, what I mean? and that's that's what guys want to see, man. Like I missed the, you know, Dwight Howard did his thing. And Blake Griffin did his thing. And like those guys even did it. Even that one year, Paul George went, uh, John Wall went. DeMar DeRozan went, and those weren't even our best dunk contests, but at least you had guys trying to like get in the contest. And I already alluded to LeBron not being in it really set the tone for like the dunk contest not even being cool. Like, let's just leave that for the guys who can only dunk. So now some guys don't even want to do it because they don't want to be labeled just a dunker. They think it like takes away from how they're viewed as a skilled player in the NBA from a scouting perspective, which is crazy. So there's been quite the trickle effect with that. I, I think the All-Star game needs to be in a better location. And I think they need to change some events. That's what they need to do. You mentioned the one-on-one contest. How many times on Instagram have you seen like Team USA, uh, Devin Booker, KD, these guys do that king of the court one-on-one and people love it. Obviously, they, they repost it on Instagram all the time and people love seeing them kind of go one-on-one. I feel like that'd be an amazing event. I feel like Ant would be in it. A lot of good guys. Kyrie, if he ever did it, would be unbelievable. And that would get the most ratings, I think, over a dunk contest. Yeah, the the one-on-one would be incredible. If you got four guys, king of the court, and winner gets a million for their, his or her, you know, whatever, charity, half a million, whatever, that would be really fun to watch guys really get competitive. And it would, you can only be competitive in one-on-one. There's no choice because it's either you're scoring on someone or you're, it's either you're missing on someone or you're getting scored on, which you don't want. So, I mean, one-on-one is the most competitive game an NBA player can play. And seeing Kevin Durant go against, you know, a Carmelo in their prime would have been incredible, right? I think if you're going to add all these different things that they're adding to the all-star game, that is one thing they really do have to look at. And I think the location is just vital. I really do. And I hope in the future, somehow it's going to take a young star to change that dunk contest narrative. I can't do anything about it. Neither can you. There's, there's, there's only a certain like 10 guys in the league that can really do that. And one of them is going to have to do that. So we'll see with time. Yeah, and even the best part of the All-Star game this year, the only good part was when Tatum and Brown went one-on-one a few times down the that's court. A, that, that's another thing. I, people look back and watch the Deion Waiters-Tim Hardaway when they went at it. in the in the uh, That was a rookie sophomore game, which is the worst basketball game in the history of basketball. 
is the rookie sophomore game. You want to talk about a game that serves no purpose? That game should not even be exist. It's ridiculous. No one plays. Now it's like the world versus the, I don't even know what it is anymore. And they're trying to make that for the all-star game, which is ridiculous, which would be unfair because then they would, certain foreign players would get to play in this game, even if they're not deserving, just because they might need roster spots for it if they need 10 or 12. So it should be 12 all-stars each side. It should be East versus West and not these captains, which is ridiculous. I'm not even going to get into that and why certain guys picked certain players because there's there's reasons behind those as well. Well, do you uh, think they should just go get away with the draft period with the All-Star draft and go it's back to dumb. East versus West? It's, it's, it's dumb. I do think they should do East versus West simply because every year everyone talks about before the season starts, who's better, the East or the West? This year everyone's saying the East is better than the West. Now after the trades are saying the West is better than the East. I do feel like if you brought that element back, East versus West, there might be something there where they're playing for something a little bit, just like who's better. I remember when like Marbury and Iverson beat the West that one year when they were like undersized and everything. That was a big deal kind of putting on for the East. So I feel like they, if they brought that back, that would be cool. Yeah, that's a good point. I think the I think the East-West rivalry definitely sparks a little bit of competitiveness amongst the players. You know, and what you want is competitiveness. I mean, it was, <clears throat> I mean, think about it. Uh, Shea Alexander after the game was like, said something like, man, LeBron blocked my shot. That was so weird. Like, you know, he, he didn't, nobody did nothing all game. And then I drove him and he tries to block my shot. Like that was abnormal for someone to try to make a defensive play in last game. That's how, that's how crazy it was. You know what I mean? So seeing the best players play at a hard place. And I'm not saying you got to dive on the floor and hurt yourself. Obviously the postseason is most important, but there are levels to competitive play. And that was just too low for me. Stephen A. Smith made a really good point the other day where he said, if you guys could play, you know, maybe 70, 80% in the offseason in your pickup games, like the Rico Hines, or when you play in Orlando, you play pickup, you know, you play smart, you play not to get hurt, but you still, there's, it's competitive and you'll play like maybe 70 to 80% hard. Why couldn't you guys do that in the all-star game when millions of people are watching us for the fans? It makes, it makes zero sense. It's a, and that's a great point that Stephen A. said. And that, that's so true because when we play at Rico Hines, you play hard because you don't want to lose and have to wait a game. Uh, and you want to play and get wins on the winner's court, which is the middle court there. Or if you're just playing runs anywhere, Remy runs or Chris Johnson workouts, whatever the hell, the sky workout. Or, or even in any city's pro-am. Yeah, any pro-am. Because you take it personally that you're going against some guys that aren't in the NBA and you want to show people why you're in the NBA and guys are working on stuff. Guys are getting better. You know, guys have their boys there watching them. Like everyone's competitive, you know, about that. And you're playing basketball at the end of the day. So to think in an all-star game, being seen by millions of people across the world, let alone the United States. It's the ultimate pickup game with the best players. You know what I mean? That you guys got to pick the teams with, which again, I'm not a fan of, but whatever. So be it. That That is a game where I, I would like to see, like you said, you know, 80, 80%, you know, energy there. You know, 80% they're trying hard. 80% they give a damn. You know what I mean? that That would make the game a lot better and more enjoyable. Do you remember in the lockout in 2011 where, you know, LeBron went against KD and James Harden was going against John Wall and all those guys had all of those pickup runs in different cities and stuff. And obviously you're playing not to get hurt, but those games were super competitive and some of the most entertaining basketball we've seen, especially the KD versus LeBron one. The lockout series was incredible. You got to see guys be, I think that was like the most humanizing any sport has ever come to their common common man and i say that just because there's no other sport where they have pickup games uh especially for public view you're not gonna go to a public you're not gonna go to a pickup baseball game i've never heard of such a thing and no one plays pickup football 
because it had to be two-hand touch. Um, basketball is that sport. And, you know, some of the, you know, the Mecca, whether it's the New York Rucker Park games or, you know, Barry, was it the Barry Farms? Which, which, which is the one in uh, D.C. or Baltimore? Um, you got to be careful because there's like two different ones there. You don't want to say the wrong one. Uh, I don't want to take a stab at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Regardless. <laughs> and the, the, the games in L.A., you know, they're, they're all over. Pickups all over the place. And, you know, everyone takes those very serious. And we got great moments out of that during the lockout. And people got to be so close to pros and stars. Like you had players pulling up to high school gyms, playing pickup games. It was a really cool moment. That I thought the NBA did a good job, even though we were in a lockout. Players stayed in in the in the spotlight and played at uh, gyms where everybody could could get in. I remember one game or one gym there charging like a can of soup, uh, like canned goods because it was going towards a cause. Like so, anybody can get in. You don't got to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars, which not everybody can afford for an NBA game. Uh, they could go. So, yeah, the All Star games got to improve. We got to get better. I hope that's like a learning lesson for all the shit that's been talked about it that next year, whoever's in there, maybe one of the guys, one of the vets will take it upon themselves to like, you know, get it competitive. And what do you think about maybe playing for a cash prize where one, you know, the winning team makes a lot yeah, of see, money? Yeah, I, I don't know if that works because the guys usually in the All-Star game are just making so much money that like them getting an extra hundred grand, I just, as crazy as that sounds, I just it don't have to be more than a hundred. It'd have to be more than a hundred. That's yeah, not moving see, the, yeah. the needle that, at all. Yeah. yeah, it's not moving the needle. That's what I'm saying. So it had to be an extreme amount. So it's like, I don't know if the NBA is doing that. I mean, they already get paid enough. Why not just compete? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're, I got to come up with incentives for these guys to go out there and play hard. I'm not saying guys got to go dive on the floor, but let's let's get to what it was three, four years ago, man. Like, that game was so much fun. Uh, watching Steph and LeBron and uh, James Harden, like, you had all these guys out there really playing their best basketball. I thought it was, it was very enjoyable for us to watch. Uh, your teammate, Anthony Edwards, friend of the pod, he was announced as an all-star reserve. What was that like for the team? What was that moment like for you guys? Uh, it was it was really refreshing, I think, because we we wanted him to make it so bad. And there was a little bit of an energy lull when he didn't make it because we all thought he was and was deserving. Uh, obviously, the West has a lot of good players, so it is what it is. But, you know, by the powers that be and just sometimes by, you know, yeah, you need a little bit of luck on your side. Someone goes down and gets hurt. You know, his name gets called and he gets to now wear that all-star badge. I think it was really refreshing for him, you know, to get that off his shoulders, to get that off his back. You know, he's in his third season. He makes the All-Star game in the West. It's an accomplishment. We're in the race to go to the playoffs. Now that that's behind him, I think you'll even get even better basketball for him and more cleared-headed basketball for him and the whole team. You know I mean? With that behind, once All-Stars, you know, just away, it's just so much better basketball that, that usually gets played by teams. So uh, I was really happy for him. And uh, I think it, it'll it'll be a good thing for him, just mentally being able to move on now and just focus on basketball. I do, yeah. I feel like since the West this year is so tight, everyone from you know I think three to eleven separated by a couple of games. This stretch could be some of the best basketball. This could essentially be almost like a preview for the playoffs. These games are going to be like playoff games when you yeah. guys are fighting for position. Some good teams are not going to make the play-in. Yep, and you know so. You guys are a couple games out of third. You're a couple games out of out of not making the plan at all. Yeah, we have to we have to play well, man. I mean these these last 21 games, we got to go, you know, obviously way above 500 uh, for us to lock in a spot, not even in the play in. So, you know, and then you have to account for someone to lose, and the, you know, there's really good teams. So, it's going to be competitive. Uh, it's going to be fun. I mean, that's what you want. I'm so glad that there's only 21 games left. Like, let's get to it. You know, what I mean, and and, and let's see who's going to be in the playoffs and who's not. This is going to be the best basketball, by the way, all season. I mean, if 
if you're not like a, a, the biggest fan of the NBA, but if you're not the biggest fan of basketball, okay, so be it. But if you are a, a, an athlete whatsoever and like competition, and obviously we just talked about the lack of competition in the All-Star game and this and that. If you want to see competitive basketball play, watch these last 21 games, uh, specifically in the Western Conference. You're going to get as bad as competitive basketball as you could possibly get. They are going to be many playoff games for sure. You know that on the head, Pasha. Every single team right now is trying to get separation, the little that they can, and get in these playoffs uh, or, you know, at the worst case, play in. And you're going to see a lot of, lot of competitive basketball because we're all pretty much in the mix right here in the West. So I look forward to seeing it, playing in it, and being a part of it. And we've mentioned this almost every pod, but I, th- I think people still forget. You guys are missing maybe arguably your, your best player. You've been missing him almost the entire year. Yeah. For that stretch, I think we're hoping that we get him back here maybe in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, from what I hear, it's supposed to be all hopeful uh, for him. He's, he's starting to be very hopeful that he could be back in the next couple of weeks. That's what I hear. Um, and he's close. He's in the weight room now. He's running around. So it looks like he's you know going to be on the court soon. I, I would have to imagine within the next couple of weeks we get him back. You know, you add a, you know, a 20 and 10, 24, 25 point and 10 guy on your team. It's never a bad thing. So uh, we're excited. You know, we're, we're, we're prepared to do it with or without just because we don't really know what certainty that is with Carl. And, you know, obviously we want him to get his body right 100%. But, you know, as of right now, you know, uh, it looks like a couple of weeks still. And since I last spoke to you, you have added Mike Conley and you've been around him now for a couple of weeks. What's that been like? I know we talked about how great of a guy he is. Yeah, you know, Mike is the epitome of a of a professional, you know, and I've always tried to learn not only from my peers, but guys who are older than me. Uh, so it's been really nice to have Mike around just because prior to him coming, I was pretty much the oldest guy on the team, which is crazy to say. I'm, I'm only 30, but that's how young the NBA is, or that's how young this team is, I'll speak for this team. And uh, to have a guy, you know, obviously Mike's, I think, what, 36, 37? You know, he's uh, on, yeah. I think 35. Okay, 35, 36, whatever the case may be. You know, he's he's obviously five, six years older than me. And he's done things that I want to continue to do in terms of just having longevity in the NBA. Uh, he gets paid a lot, you know, good money to be uh, a serviceable player, a guy who plays the right way, teaches guys, you know, how to be professional, teaches guys how to, you know, uh, like I said, yeah, play winning basketball. And Mike's been that pretty much his whole career and has been able to, while maintain the badge of professionalism on and off the court. So it's someone I've tried to talk to a lot and and reach out to and 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 just kind of just view, you know, you kind of watch guys, you watch players. And I, I learned from even younger players just because there's always something you can learn, but especially a guy like Michael. So I think he's going to have a big impact on our team. I think he simplifies our offense. You know, I've said that before. And, uh, you know, you have a veteran guard and they're making decisions with obviously our young scoring power that we have with the good veteran players that we have around them. We'll have a good team. At one point, he had the largest contract in NBA history. Does he feel like the kind of guy that has a large, like the way he his vibe is not? No, Mike, Mike, you would think Mike works at the local deli. Mike, 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 Mike has no, nothing about him screams I've made over 200 million in the NBA. Nothing about him screams that, which is a beautiful thing, by the way, that he's able to move around like that, move under the radar. It's probably the best way to be. Um, and that that goes to what I was talking about with with his whole aura. I, just, I try to pick up on things because 
What's crazy is I'm not even in, I'm not even a flashy guy. It's just some of the things that I'm into or I like tend to, you know, they're flashy. You know what I mean? Like I, I love cars, but I loved cars well before I could drive them. I don't drive cars to be cool. I don't drive cars to pick up girls. I, I drive cars because I have a legitimate obsession with the, you know, the automotive industry and cars itself. I'm a petrol head. Uh, Mike is one of those guys that his, I don't know if he has one of those things, you know, we, we might have to get him on a pod here soon, but he just doesn't have anything that screams, you know, this is my niche, what I spend money on, or this is my thing. He just shows up to work and then he's out of work. You know what I mean? He just, he's like a, he's just a straight assassin professional who's hired to do his job and leaves and does everything the right way. So definitely going to pick up on some things from him, but yeah, 150 million is insane, bro. Yeah. Wow. He, uh, yeah, that was when he was with the Grizzlies. I remember. Chandler, I remember. Deal, yeah. I remember when that when he signed that. Everybody's like, "Whoa, this is what contracts are looking like now. Like, this is where we're headed." You know, that was like that first mega contract where guys are like, "Yo, 150." Now they're seeing with Jokic, 240. You know, 250. I mean, pretty soon we're going to be doing baseball numbers. And again, we're not signing 14 year deals. You got guys signing 240 mil in five years. You know, baseball players are signing that and playing playing it out for 14 years just a whole different level of money that uh we're getting into and i love it we we should be only going upwards considering what what owners make so would you sign a 14-year deal if that was available in the nba it was that something that you would do if you were a baseball player and that was offered to you and you were the star baseball player would you sign a 14-year deal or whatever they're doing 11-year deal are you saying if i'm playing baseball or basketball what do you what do you ask Base, let's say if you were the best baseball player one of the top guys and you were offered uh you know these guys are getting offered like 11-year deals or whatever would you feel comfortable signing that to a city or would you do a shorter deal? Well, yeah, well, well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I would, I would, it just depends how much the deal is and, and, and where I'm at, like living wise, you know, when I sign a 14 year deal, you know, deal to live in, you know, I don't even know. Yeah. What city are you about to name here? Cause you want to throw city under the bus. Let's hear it. Listen, man, I, I, all I know is I, if the money's right and the situation's right, I always tell people those. I mean, those are the two things you look for. For me personally, when I go into a free agency, the number one thing that's important to me is my workplace and how happy my mental will be in in a certain workplace. What what I can give, what I can get from going to work every day for that organization. What what our chances are to win. What direction we're headed in. The people I work with. Uh, the situation that I could be placed in in terms of is, is there a, you know chance to grow into a player. That's number one. Two is the money. Three is the location. And, and, and those are the three things you look for as a free agent. Um, a 14 year, you know, year deal, you know, depending on the right situation and the right location and all those things. Yeah, for sure. I don't see why, you know, why not? If they offer Jimmy Butler a 14 year, if they offer me and I'm playing for the Miami Heat and they offer me a 14 year, uh, $250 million, would I sign that for the Miami Heat? Yeah, I'd sign that. Why not? Now, if I could get that same deal in three, four years, then I obviously would take that. I mean, we don't have to do that in the NBA. 14 years is ridiculous. In 14 years, I'm not even going to be uh, – the basketball player I'll be in 14 years from now is something you don't want on your NBA team. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of I, – I, I tend to agree with that. I, I can say that confidently. I, I got like another eight – what was it, 30? I think I could play like another eight years, like good basketball, like really good basketball, be a, be a top 400, top 300 player in, you know, in the world be a rotational piece for the NBA, you know, be a mid-level guy. You know, that that's the goal for me personally, if we're going to be completely honest. You know, that's, that's you know, have a veteran impact, help out the young players, you know, help them learn how to play, teach them from my mistakes that I made as a young lottery pick that came in the NBA. Like, I've had to change my whole mental 
I think that's that's the that's the what I'm trying to bring the teams to now. That's the goal. But eight years, fourteen's a crazy Pasha. We mentioned the trade deadline and some of the moves that were made, and now you know guys are getting bought out, switching teams. You're you know one of your favorite teammates you've ever had, uh, Russell Westbrook. He signed with yeah. the Clippers. Is he the best buyout guy? that you can ever remember? Because I think he's leading the league. He's the leading candidate for sixth man of the year. Have you ever seen the leading candidate or any candidate for sixth man of the year be bought out and switch teams like that? Rarely. Actually, never. I, I, I'd I have to like go back in the archives and look that up, but I, I, I don't think so. First off, yes, to answer your question, he is the best player that I've ever seen. You just get bought out and be, be able to sign with the team. Russell is... What people have found out about Russell is what people have found out about any other player in the NBA over the past, you know, six, seven years. You've seen it. Even when Dwayne Wade went to Cleveland or Chicago, when the greatest fit, or when Melo went to uh, OKC, OKC, it wasn't the greatest fit. You know what I mean? And then he goes to Portland and was a great fit. It doesn't really matter who you are. There's like maybe like five players in the NBA Kevin Durant, LeBron, you know, and again, Melo was that in his prime and so was Dwayne Wade, but. The guys have smaller windows and it's all situational. It's all situational. And for whatever reason, there's been a stigma with Russell that like, you know, can't get right and whatever, whatever. Statistically, obviously his numbers have been there. People have their own theories about that as well with him. But he's literally like you, like you just alluded to. He's Russell's leading the NBA probably in six men of the year votes, or he would be if they stopped it today. And this guy got bought out and, you know, was traded and bought out. And there's such a negative aura around his name, which is just so ridiculous because for people who know him personally, he's just a great guy. And he was a great teammate of mine. He's one of the better teammates I've actually had throughout my career in terms of a positive energy in the locker room. So that's why it was hard for me to believe a lot of things that were happening in Los Angeles or or DC or, you know, the places he's been. Um yeah, you know it's it's, it's interesting. I, I I can't tell if it's a it's an easy topic. The Russell Westbrook, the 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 negative, just wave of of attention. He recently he recently was called a, a locker room vampire. I'm, yeah, I'm taking just, it too far. He was already the scapegoat and this for the is, Lakers. Yeah, and that it's comment too far. and that that comment was made by someone who knows knows nothing. You know, I mean, he, and apparently he got that from a guy in the Lakers locker room. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. Like, this stuff is ridiculous. I've played with him personally. I know everyone that's played with him or that in the NBA. We all have the same consensus about Russell. If you actually know Russell, you know he's like a sweetheart off the court. Like a really good dude. Great guy. Takes care of his family. Likes to put on for others. Likes to take care of people. As a teammate, he's the same exact way. He plays with a fire and energy about him on the court, which is what people have embraced and loved over the years. But he doesn't bring that into the locker room in terms of personal as a character. That's just not who he is. Uh, in his game, he's been effective. He was a great player off the bench for the Lakers. People try to act like that was what was wrong. There's so much wrong with what was going on there other than what Russell had going on. And he played through it, all the negative attention. I'm very impressed with Russ, uh, the way he was able to handle that situation because that was not right. And it was not pretty at all. And Russell was able to really just kind of put his hard hat on and, and, and just keep his head down and just keep trucking away and just be a professional, play well, well enough to where a team like, uh, uh, you know, the Clippers, who's fighting for a championship, felt the need that they they would take him on. 
And I saw even other comments by other former players, like if this place doesn't work, if this doesn't work out for Russ, this might be his last stop. How? How is he right here? He's literally the best player that we, he's leading the league right now and, and, and votes for six men of the year with the Lakers. How is this like a break or bust for, for him with the Clippers? And people it doesn't can't make say, any sense. It doesn't make zero sense. Well, he needs to learn his role. He did. You, he, he, you guys wanted him off the bench in, in Los Angeles. This is a Hall of Famer, first ballot player we're talking about. He didn't say no. What he did, he went to the bench and not only played well, he played better than anybody else in the NBA That's off a, the bench. That's an amazing point. It, everyone was saying he would not be able to accept the role off the bench. He just did it. Carmelo, yeah, when Carmelo wouldn't come off the bench, he, in the press conference, he was like, oh, they want me to come yeah, off that, the bench. That, like, that, no that chance. Comment, that, and that comment has haunted him since this day. Because he had to go away from basketball for however much time. They almost blackballed him out the NBA. They're blackballing him now because he played fantastic with the Portland and the Lakers, by the way. The fact that he doesn't have a job is insane. But that 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 the media will do this. They'll do this. They'll pick guys. And me, Wes, Russell was one of those guys that his name has gravitated views and clicks. And people like poking that bear and... They like, there's such a negative, unfair, untrue attention. I, I I look at it and I see some of the similarities with stuff with me and my father. Like I got so much negative attention. That's exactly what I was going to say. He, it's he's just he's like, been labeled and you are unfairly labeled. As, I've been labeled. Oh, he's in the NBA because of a co- like, all this son, nonsense. That's why he's in the NBA. Just, yeah. And I, I, I've had to fight this my whole career. And it's so stupid because I, I, I talk about this with people all the time. People say comments like that or anything. I'm just like. If that were any truth to it, I, oh, why isn't anybody other? Why is any other coach's son in the NBA? They all played. Why isn't any assistant's coach's son in the NBA? Why isn't any president's son? Why isn't any you general manager? You haven't played for your father in years. You think That's coaches I, are still signing you? I played, because I played. Oh, I played he, in the NBA exactly, yeah. bro. I played well before him. I played with him, and I played after him. The consensus is I'm an NBA player. I was also a top ten pick and the number one player out of high school. If I didn't go to college, I probably would have been number one or two in the draft. So even anything with me in that realm is stupid and labeled. It's the same thing they're doing to Russ. It's the same thing they're doing to him. They're putting so much on his negatives. He can't shoot. He can't space the floor. So who gives a fuck? Is he, is he effective or not? Is, does he have an impact on the floor or not? The answer is yes. I, I mean, I watched him with the Lakers. I played against him with the Lakers. He had 16, 7, and 7 versus us off the bench. I would say that's an effective night for a guy off the bench because I know if I had that game, Everybody would be tapping me on my back like, yo, great game. So I, he's willing to do whatever you want. I, I, I can see he always ha- he already has a relationship with PG and the guys there. I think he's still, he still gets to play at home without the negative Laker attention. And he gets to be free. And he gets to, the pressure's not on him to finish games or make the shot. He gets just to go be free Russ and enjoy playing basketball again. I think you can see it even in his, his you, there's been clips of him walking around the facility and with the clip. He just has a bounce to him. That he looks like, man, like I, I've I've lifted all of that off me. Like I'm so ready to get away from that, and I really hope the best for him. Yeah, and like I, I think the best point you made so far is that he was willing to come off the bench when people said he wouldn't, and then he ended up being the leader, the leading candidate for six man of the year, it's, the best it's, player it's, off the bench in the NBA. So it's he's done everything they've asked him to do. He's been a perfect teammate, and you know. I, I am happy to see him on a different team, happy. And I think the Clippers made the right move. I think it's a great place for him. It is a great place for him. They do have a lot of guards. So I don't know what they do with like, you, you got Eric Gordon, you got, you know, you got Powell, you, you got Bones Highland, you got Paul George, you know, you got Terrence Mann still. I mean, they got a lot of guards. They got Brandon Boston, who they're trying to develop. 
half of those guys aren't going to play and even less than that aren't in the playoffs. So that's going to be quite a, you know, that'll be interesting for them to deal with internally in the locker room. I'm going to keep it hundred, but they do have an immense amount of talent. Nonetheless, that's never been an, you know, every year when this team goes into the season, when they're healthy, you know, they have a championship roster. You know, that's been the Clippers thing for the past however many years they had that. Even when I played there with my pops, we had chip, you know, championship roster. So we'll see how that works out. Um, I hope for my sake and my, in the team I play for, not too well. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, I'm happy, Russ, man. I'm happy he had a big smile and he's a good energy and vibe and upbeat that he's walking into practice. And you can see this is a good situation for him to just go thrive because uh, he he was playing well, man. So if Russ is even listening to this, uh, just keep doing your thing, brother. You, you were playing extremely well with the Lakers. Uh, there's a lot of negative attention. They do it just for clicks. And there there's a responsibility in the media to just do better. Just do better with, our, especially with our stars and guys who are who are just God. They they did this with Melo. They're doing it with him. They do it with a lot of players, man, who gave so much to the game, and they just they just shit on them on their way out. It's just so ridiculous. Oh, he he thinks he's a star now. The guy came off the bench and played extremely well. What the hell are we talking about? You know what I mean? So it's all fit. I hope he fits well with the Clippers. On to the next. Another big move that we didn't talk about. It wasn't a big move. It was a small move, but I, it, it's. You know, it's pretty rare is James Wiseman, former number two pick. The Warriors, you know, they they traded him to Detroit. They kind of got off of him. They gave up on that project. You also were a lottery pick that didn't excel with the team that drafted you. Right. What's that like? Because I'm sure when you first get drafted by the team, you're like, I'm going to be here for 10 years and this is going to be my franchise. Especially him, he was a number two pick. I really, you know, I'm, I'm glad you asked me that just because it's it's hard to deal with, man. I mean, that's that's not an easy feat. You start getting the name bust thrown at you uh, and I got that thrown at me early and especially with so much hype I had coming out of high school and Duke I always tell people man like I was a top 10 pick in the NBA number one in high school there was a lot of pressure on me to come to the NBA and perform and unfortunately I'll, I'll point fingers at both ways myself because you always have to take that uh, as, a, as a player and then the situation I was was just it wasn't really made for me to succeed I just it, it just wasn't uh, and that happens sometimes the NBA is very situational and I, I I got drafted to a situation where the ball wasn't rolled out for me to just be like, hey, Austin, go be you, go be free. And within my first year, I break my hand, missed 30 games. And I, I spent that sophomore summer, I went back to summer league, I dominated. Uh, and I felt really good coming into New Orleans to be that scorer that they wanted me to be. And they bring in Tyreek Evans and Drew Holiday. You know what I mean? Going into my, my sophomore season, this is what I have already. Which so is now, a big like, season for any player. This Going to that sophomore season, it's, it's a huge that's, season that's for development. Big, that, and I never, I never got that. I, as soon as, as, soon as uh, you know, that happened, you know, that, that, that changed everything for me. So Wiseman, he's going through something else. He has a new situation. The good news for him is he got traded to a situation that's on the rebuild. So not only does he have patience, not only does, I would say, he has time. They'll have patience with them. He'll have an opportunity to grow. They're trying to build a young core there. I kind of, I kind of look at it like Bobo. I know Bobo wasn't a top pick like Wisen or myself, but just a talented player nonetheless that gets to go to a young rebuilding team. And you're seeing him find his identity in the league. You'll see that with Wiseman. You know what I mean? There, there's, there's guys that you just don't. You oh, I mean, you, you can name a bunch. Uh, Markel Fultz they didn't work out for the Sixers. I thought his shot was broken and he would be done. He's a really good player for the, ma the he Magic. Is. He's he playing is. really he well. Yeah. Wendell, Wendell Carter was a throwaway, I think, in the Vucevic trade from the Bulls to the Magic. I, I think he's a great young center, one of the 
yeah. young bigs in the league now. And that's so. that's and that's you might not one man's trash is another man's treasure. And the situation with, with me in New Orleans was just one of those that just didn't go right. And then you just move on and move forward. You make that next one work. And Wiseman and these other guys will do the same thing. I have no doubt. Uh, what they'll it's have tough. to deal with, though, I'll just I just want to say this lastly. What they'll have to deal with is understanding they might not ever be what they thought they were gonna be as their draft pick. Okay, because it's different. All right. When you're drafted to someone, you're their baby. You're their investment. You're their pick. You know what I mean? When you go somewhere else, you're, you're, you're a chance. You're, you're, uh, uh, you know, low, low risk, low risk, low risk, high reward. Hey, we'll take Wiseman. We'll trade a little asset, a, a pick, a little bit of money, whatever they got. Just like I was with the Clippers, just like he'll be here. The many names above you, right? It's different, right? So he has to learn now how to not only fit in, but be a great player within their scheme because I tell people all the time I after I left New Orleans my chances of being an all-star were never again they were never again I, I went to a, a must-win Clippers team and then so on and so forth every team after that had their stars already so I it took me time in the league to not only be effective but learn how to be a good role player and let your ego go and buy into being a legitimate like good role player and that's what Wiseman has to do that's what Fultz has done that's what all these guys have done. Wendell Carter, these guys have, they don't take 20 shots a game, they, but they found ways to be effective in their role. The same thing I had to do and learn how to do is what Wiseman, I think, has to. And Wiseman's, what, 20, 21 years old. He has, it's crazy that teams are even, I don't understand why the Warriors did it. You know, they, they needed to shed some salary. Yeah. But it's just crazy that people were even giving up on him. What do you think that says about the Warriors, though, that guys like Kaminga or Wiseman, such raw talents, are kind of struggling to play for the Warriors, is it the kind of brand of basketball they play where you need to have an IQ? You have to have a high IQ to play for them. You have to be able to shoot, uh, with the exception of Draymond, but that's because he's a point forward. So you don't really need Draymond to shoot, and he doesn't have to. Um, everyone else has to know how to shoot, and you have to, ha you have to know how to play basketball. Uh, and they also need defense because a lot of the guys that they play aren't the best defenders. You know what I mean? So that's, that's something that has been a struggle for a lot of young players, Kaminga and Wiseman. You are seeing Kaminga play a lot better though now. He is a supreme athlete. I, I think Kaminga is an investment for them. I don't think he goes anywhere. I think that's one of the young players that they want to build around for the long term. He has that type of just freakish athleticism that you just continue to take a chance on and develop. I don't see him going anywhere. So they got a good team. It's it's also hard to develop when you're playing against Hall. Of, you're playing behind Hall of Famers. Uh, and they're trying to win a championship and you're still trying to learn how to be an NBA player. Like that dynamic is not easy. That's something that I'd not, I, 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 mean, I got drafted to the, one of the worst teams in the NBA, uh, at the time. And, you know, he's obviously drafted to like the NBA champions. That's a lot of pressure. So, uh, for both of those guys. And it shows also, I think the Warriors are one of the, if not the best ran, you know, franchise in the NBA. Everyone makes mistakes. I, I and you know, they drafted Wiseman. He's gone now. They could have had. Lamelo, Halliburton, they would have been unreal with some of those guys that they could have had. So, you know, they had that number two pick. It didn't work out, but I think it shows that nobody's perfect. Everyone makes mistakes, and the Warriors kind of made a mistake there. It, but if they have Halliburton, what does Poole do? Or where, where does Curry at? Or where's, where's Clay? I mean, like, people are like, they could have had Lamelo. What the, what's the point of having Lamelo if you have Steph Curry? There's zero point. What do you have him off the bench just to play 10 minutes a game? Like, what, what, then now he's not an all star and he's not Lamelo anymore. So some of those things, like they had to pick Wiseman because they needed a obvious, they wanted a rim protecting center who could block shots, run the floor, figure out the scheme, pick and roll, set screens for Steph, Clay, Jordan. Like that's what their idea and vision was. Lob threat, 
like JaVale was. JaVale was great for them, you know, when he was there as a lob threat. They wanted a young talent to be that. They're not going to, you know, draft a guard. So, like, Lomelo and, and Halliburton, although might be having better careers than Wiseman at this point, it, it's, it still was, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, those picks don't even make sense still. So, yeah, it is what it is. And Wiseman has a chance to go rectify everything and, and, and really, you know, have a, a good career in Detroit. So let's, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, I want to talk to you about uh, Ben Simmons. So after the Nets have made all these moves and they got Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, I don't know if they're necessarily rebuilding, but they're retooled. Ben Simmons has been coming off the bench. How do you feel about what's kind of going on with his career? And do you think most of it's mental? Well, it's all mental. It's not physical, obviously. He's physically gifted. So I don't know what he has going on in his personal life or his actual life. You know, we don't, we, it's always easy for us as spectators or, you know, peers to, you know, dignify the hate that he gets and people talk negatively about him and feel comfortable with it just because he makes it a lot of money or whatever. But you never know what's going on in someone's personal life uh, or, or what he's even in his mental just as a player, as a human being. So I, I don't know what's there. Something is there. We all know that. I mean, I don't have to like go into what it is. I just don't know what it is. And it's, I don't care to know. It's none of our business. Uh, but he was a multi, multi-year all-star in Philly. And he couldn't shoot then and he can't shoot now. So the shooting is not an issue. When everyone's like, look, Ben can't shoot. So fucking what? He's 6'10", is a freak athlete in terms of being able to move up and down the floor. He can slide his feet and be an elite defender. He can be an elite rebounder. And because he has those physical attributes, if he's getting rebounds and pushing the ball with shooters around him, just driving at the basket, put your head down and drive. Find open players. He has vision. Remember, that was his thing. He had, he's a great passer. And at the worst, you're at the basket. You're 6'10 with the 40-inch vertical. Make something fucking happen. That's who he was in Philly. That's who he was in Philly. I thought he, I thought at that time that he was. I used to have this hot take where I would say that he's like Giannis, where you surround him with shooters. I know he was on, you know, a team with Embiid, and it was a tough matchup. He's not for him, Giannis. He's not Giannis. You, but I know at the time I was one of those guys that was like, if you surround this guy with shooters with his passing ability and his athleticism, he, he could be on a team where it's like his team, and you know he was an all defensive player. He was the best perimeter defender in the NBA a couple of years ago. Yeah, but you gotta you gotta have a, you have to have like a mental makeup for that and like a, a, a way about yourself that he just doesn't. He's ne- but he's never been that guy. But he's still. But the difference is, Giannis. Giannis couldn't shoot, but he shot. Ben Simmons wasn't even taking those shots. No, he wasn't missing. Giannis tries to get to the free throw line every opportunity he can, and he, and he actually makes his free throws for the most part. He even made them when he took ten seconds, and the whole crowd would chant every second. It didn't bother him one bit. He stayed up there in the whole in the finals in front of everybody and absolutely manhandled the Phoenix Suns. Manhandled them the entire series. They had no answer for him, and in that game, what was it six? He went as uh, one of the probably the greatest finals performance I've ever seen. Uh, he was definitely, was definitely one of the best breakthrough breakthrough performances I've ever and he was, seen. Like, and he I was just like, went through it. Yeah, he was incredible, and he really solidified himself as the best player in the NBA, or arguably best. Whatever that conversation, that argument never ends. But that's what Ben Simmons. I don't want to say he was that, but he was a lesser version, but still a very top tier player because of his I mean listen that's why he gets paid 40 million dollars he didn't get paid that out of nowhere no one paid him that money because we liked him or because we wanted to see him with a lot of money in his pocket they paid him and because he was a really good player he's an all-star 
and he couldn't shoot. So this whole thing about him being scared to shoot is just so ridiculous because he's never been a good shooter. In fact, the only thing Ben Simmons has to do in the offseason, the only thing he would ever have to do is stay in shape physically, continue to develop his handle, just work on handling drills. That takes 15 minutes a day, mind you, and sit at the fucking free throw line for an hour. An hour, go back at night. I know you could do this because I've, I've, I've always been able to make shots. I've always been a solid three-point shooter and field goal percentage. My free throws, my entire career have been horrendous. I've shot like in the high 60s. This year, I'm shooting mid-80s because I worked with a shooting coach to help my jump shot and help my free throw. I took a 20% upward sky increase. increase, bro, because I worked on it all summer. I sat at that free throw line. I was bored, Pasha, miserable. Going back up at night at 10 p.m., I want to get my bag, no bag, free throw line, for hours shooting. And there's no coincidence now the level of comfort and confidence I go up to the line every single time I get up there. Even when I miss, I still know how I missed and the comfort I have. He's going up there and he doesn't want to be up there and he's guessing because of it. It's a very vulnerable place to be when you're not a good free throw shooter and you're up there and everyone's chanting and everyone's on your head. It's so mental. Everything right now Ben is going through is mental. And I know you might have some like nagging injuries, but we all have fucking nagging injuries. He's fine physically. It's mental. You know what I mean? And this guy's a great player. He's only 26. So like he shouldn't be written off yet, by the way, either. Like Ben could easily like mentally get into a good place this summer, understand who he needs to be, who he was, how he can get back there and become a productive player at age 27. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think that's, that's something. That's why the Nets, I think, aren't just quitting on him and not playing him. Now they got him coming off the bench, but they still want him out there on the floor because of his athletic ability and his defense. Um, I still do have hope. I know I'm one of the very few. A lot of people out there think Ben Simmons is done. Uh, I, I still think I still think he can be uh, an all-star. I really do believe that. I think it's still there in him. Um, I think he has stuff going on that he only can deal with and get past. And I think hopefully with good people around him, they can help him get there. But the guy didn't lose how to play basketball. He didn't forget it, okay? since Space Jam. Nobody sucked his powers from a basketball and, and, and took everything he had away from him. The guy can still perform at a high level. Uh, he just needs to get there mentally. Whatever timetable that is, that's on him. But I still believe he could be a top-tier player, yeah. And he gets a lot of hate, especially online. People are like, why can't he shoot? I can shoot, things like that. I always wanted to ask you this. There's something going on in the world of maybe pickup basketball or people that play basketball recreationally that they think that they could like sub into a game and make shots or they could do it. Why can't I, they make free throws? I can make free throws, miss free throws. Can you please explain the difference of a pro versus a regular guy playing basketball? Because I don't when even, I was a young kid, I learned at a young age, I went to a Ma Orlando Magic game when I was a kid with my dad. I watched Bo Outlaw, who was just a hustle player that could not shoot, had a gross jump shot. And I watched him pregame just draining threes. And that's when I realized at a young age, every player can play. These guys are professionals. They are machines and they can all play. And I don't think there's something going on, whether it's guys in LA Fitness filming their games or whatever it is, that they think that they can, that they don't understand the gap between a pro and a regular guy. Can you it's please so, explain? It's so delusional that I don't even know if I want to waste my breath even, even <laughs> explaining this because people don't really don't get it. They go into their local YMCA, LA Fitness, Gold's Club, whatever. I don't even know what they call them. And shoot their jump shots and say, I can hit this. That Why can't Ben? The pressure, this pace of speed the game is at, being guarded by an NBA player, guarding an NBA player, it's so ridiculous that when people actually think in their right mind that they actually even have a shot to compare to an NBA player, even like college players, like 
it's just ridiculous. It's just the, 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 the difference between an NBA player and someone outside of the league. It's a very, 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 very large, large gap. Playing against your average Joe, your average civilian, I want you people to listen to me right now if you're listening right now. And I don't mean this with any disrespect because I appreciate, first off, the support and love. I want you to know that <laughs> I, I want y'all to keep tuning into this podcast and keep listening. But I say this as a professional, and you can say whatever the hell you want about me, but I've, I've been a professional for 11 years, and I'm, I'm going to continue to be one. You suck at basketball. <laughs> and that's okay. That is okay because you're not supposed to be a professional because that's not what you do. When you guys sit there on your TV and you get to watch things and analyze things, and understand that you might see something, oh, he shouldn't have passed this one, or he should have turned. You guys are watching it from the far. You're not in the game at the speed we play it. You also need to understand that us players, 99% of us have roles in the NBA. Our job is not to score 20. I don't, I don't go out every night looking to score 20. I'm not going to get that much shots. I get four to five shots. I play 25 minutes a game. And this isn't just my situation. This is every role player in the NBA. Just the whole team goes through this. You got one to two guys a team that get 20 shots a night. And then some teams might have like an elite score off the bench where he gets some shots. Everybody else is out there sliding their feet, guarding the best players in the world, running up and down just to possibly get a shot every two minutes. That'd be like you going to the gym, running for like 10 minutes straight, doing like seven suicides, getting a random three in the corner, six, eight guys closing out on you and you have to make it. And if you miss, you got some little dweeb on the couch saying, he fucking sucks. This guy can't shoot. He's 0 for 3. 0 for 3. I can make my next 10, but I'm not going to get 10. That's why it's so hard to be a role player. You get five, six shots you got to be efficient with. If you don't think we could go to your YMCA or your little pro-am and score 95, I promise you I could. I could go to any pro-am across the, the United States and have a 50-point game. No problem. Let's just go ahead and say it then. The worst player on any NBA roster, a two-way guy, whatever it is, could go dominate to any pickup basketball game any, anywhere. Any, it wouldn't be any pickup basketball game, any high division one uh, program, Duke, UNC, I don't care what it was. If I went back and played in college, bro, it'd be, it'd be a joke. And I'm not even bragging about this because I should be. So to think that I couldn't play at your local sorry-ass pickup game where you and your friends are in my DM box talking crazy to me, you're out of your mind. You're out of, it's actually to the point where we don't respond or none of us usually respond unless we have nothing to do that day because it's just so delusional. That'd be like me thinking I could get a punt return and I'm just going to just be out there juking NFL players and truck stick one of them because one day I hit somebody hard and I had the better, I don't even know what, that's, that's the level of just ridiculous. I'm actually a loss for words, Pasha. You got me angry here right now. I, I, let me calm down. Listen, this was common sense to me that there's just such a gap between. But that's because you've been around, it, Pasha. Guy. You've seen but it. You've I, seen it firsthand. A lot of people don't understand that the last guy on the bench would be the best player in any league ever in any other world, and they don't understand that our numbers reflect not how good we are, but the situations we're in or the roles that we're asked to place. My, my role will grow, obviously, the second half of the season and into the playoffs. But I'm still a role player. I'm never going to be the star for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'll never be a star for any team I play for the rest of the NBA. I wasn't before, and I'm not going to be now. But I accepted my role, and I bought into that, and that's what's going to help me be a better, better, better role player these these next five, you know, whatever, however many years. And that's what every player thinks. No one is. It, it, people look at these numbers and actually think like that guy sucks. I could give him. I could average more than six points a game. Bro, are you out of your mind? If you don't think I average, if you don't think I got 12 shots a game, you don't think I could give you 14 points a game, 13 points a game? I've already done it before, so I know I can do it. And I'm better now than I was four years ago. So I've already done it. So I know I can. 
but this is the role that we have. And people have this thing where they watch basketball and they see all of this, all of these things we just talked about, this whole pie of stuff that we just said. And they have some type of delusional thought that they think that they can actually go out there and play with us. They do not have a chance. None of you do. I love you, but you don't and you're delusional. And that is why I brought you to my local LA fitness this summer. And I just needed to remind some of those guys what was going on because you came in, um, probably went about 5% uh, and just dominated everyone. And after that, everyone left knowing what I know. There's just an insane gap. And I didn't even shoot and I, and I didn't even shoot a three pointer. I was working on my jump shot. So at that point I hadn't been shooting threes yet. I was like half, I was like at the free throw line. I literally look like DeMar DeRozan out there just shooting fadeaway middies. And I'm not even a mid range guy. It was incredible by the way. I felt like DeMar. I didn't have a good time. It, it, it was good. I love pulling up to like a gym and just playing with the people, man. And like going out there and just having fun with guys. Guys are giving you your, their best competing. I had guys guarding me hard as hell. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah, the only issue is when I go without you, I'm kind of like a feature player out there. And then when I brought you, I turned into kind of a spot-up corner shooter. I turned into Gary Neal. I don't know where I was in the corner, just not getting the ball. But it's <laughs> fine. You can, you, hey, you have a standing invitation. Anytime you want, you can come with me and play. Appreciate take a backseat to that. That's fine. Thank All right, you. I think we're. I think this is a great time for rapid fire. Are you ready? We missed I'm last ready. week. Let's, Let's go. get it. First question for you. I know you saw Mad Dog get into it with JJ Redick about Larry Bird being an all-time three-point shooter. This and that. Um, who is a better three-point shooter, Larry Bird or your brother-in-law Seth Curry? Seth, man, I'm sorry, Seth. I, we're, not, we're we're saying shooter, right? Not player, obviously. I'm not. I'm not no, on high on drugs. A better three, a better three-point shooter. Yeah, Larry, Larry. You know, Larry's one of Larry Legends, one of the best players to, to ever play in the NBA, and he would dominate in any era he played in. I, I'm not going to even get into that argument because people actually say that Larry would dominate in any era he played in. He was nasty. With that being said, if we're talking jump shot to jump shot, Seth Curry's a better jump shooter. And I agree. Next question. <laughs> Did you enjoy Rihanna's Super Bowl performance? Because a lot of people are talking about it and we haven't gotten, we haven't had You know what, Pasha? How yet. dare you? How dare you flip that on me? Because you're the only person, <laughs> you have nonstop talked about this Rihanna performance and how underwhelming it was for you. And for you to flip this on me and ask it, like how I feel, just, how, how did you? I just want to. All right, let me, I just want to know I want if to you thought you. it was a good performance. No, I want, I want you to answer that question. What do you think about the performance? Tell, say I what you said the other day. It, if she... Say what I you don't said. want anyone coming at me. I don't want anyone coming at me. Like say that. what you said. Stand on it. What do you look for in a good performance? In a good performance? What is it? Like costume changes? Um, stage presence? Maybe dance moves? Yeah, all these things. Maybe a little surprise guest. A surprise guest, maybe bring out somebody. Def- definitely, fun. definitely, definitely like some dance moves. You know what I mean? Like, or, or, or something, you know? Right. So none of that happened. I'm not, a, I'm not a hater. I don't know what it's like to be pregnant. It, it's, that's really cool that she went out there and did that. Um, that ruined any woman's chance of making an excuse that they're pregnant. They can't do something. She did that. That's incredible. As far as the performance, I, it's not the best that I've ever seen. Like it. What do you think? <laughs> I'm getting like a sample of what you said the other day. You were you were, you were really hilarious with it, but it's okay. Um, I think it was incredible that she went out there and performed pregnant, standing like a hundred feet in the air on like a rotating. You know, I don't even know what that was. If I'm ranking it to the other Super Bowl performances, all by like Sha- Shakira J Lo, Shakira J Lo. See, here's the thing. 
I liked Rihanna's better. I knew all of her songs. I, I I only know one song from Shakira, and that's the one that's like, I can't even tell you the name of it. I I don't know that many Shakira songs. I know a couple of J Lo songs. It's not Rihanna. They're not Rihanna level. Even if Rihanna's pregnant, not moving, just standing still, I still would like to see her sing her songs than that shit. I thought I thought Rihanna's was better than theirs. Was it better than last year's? Absolutely. It's not even the same realm of last okay. year's. It, it's not better than Bruno's. It wasn't better than Travis Scott's and Maroon Five or uh, uh, Adam Levine. Those were way better. All of those were better than Rihanna's. And that's just facts. And I I, I thought Riri did a great job, but Stefan uh, did a great job. I, I was just wondering, you know, how it compares to the other ones. It, you've I, seen. I, the other ones, the other ones were better. Some of them were better, but I think under her circumstances, she delivered. She delivered the the. You know, what was expected think, of her? I think she delivered. Well, no, I th- th- see. That's where I'm going to have to disagree with you for a second. She was gone for so long. I think people either wanted new music or something. You were gone for so long. We were excited, and you know, great songs, great hits. But you weren't feeling it. You you weren't you, feeling no, the concert. She she, she looked unbelievable. Uh, don't do she's this. Beautiful. Yeah, don't, no, she's, oh, she's beautiful. Her music's oh, great. Oh, Pasha, look at you just curling back in your corner. I want the same <laughs> Pasha I had the other day when we were getting lunch. What you said, it was underwhelming. It was underwhelming. You just said the performance just really just didn't do anything for you. And you feel obligated <sighs> to say something positive because she was pregnant and you don't want to get hate towards it. Bingo. I don't remember that conversation exactly, but <laughs> you're not wrong either. Who would you like to see next year then? That's that's the thing. Who who do you who do you have like that they could actually like perform? Honestly, I think you do a dual a dual concert. Like let's let's get Drake out there with like Bad Bunny. Be the most lit. It'd be the craziest Super Bowl performance you've ever seen. I mean, the, the, that would be watched by every single person in the world. Bad Bunny and, and Drake do a do a duo. Uh, that would be insane. That's a really good one. Yeah, that'd be insane. Definitely. You you asked me what I want. I, I I'd want I'd want I'd want that. Yeah, for sure. Do you think that? Do you think the halftime show is too long? I mean, I felt like there was definitely it was like two games being. It's played. definitely it's it's definitely it's definitely sucks for the players. They got to sit there and like, but it's part of their event. I mean, that's the whole point of the Super Bowl. A lot of times, for most people, it's just to watch the TV shows in the halftime. I have zero interest in who wins that damn football game. I, I don't even follow football, let alone care who wins the Super Bowl. I usually only watch for the commercials and the ambiance of the halftime performance and everything that kind of goes with it in the show. So if I got Bad Bunny and – exactly. Yeah. If I, if I got if I got Bad Bunny and, and, and Drake doing that, that would be – that would be a hell of a show, I feel like. But I didn't even watch the game. I know it was a good game, but I – wasn't really in tune. I got to be honest with you. You have the Charlotte Hornets tomorrow at home. First game after break. You know, how do you feel like your team's going to perform after all this? Got new players coming in, this and that. Yeah, well, our our biggest task, our biggest challenge tomorrow is to not look at the team's record and let that reflect our energy in the court. We're playing statistically in terms of record. They are the worst team in basketball. Them are the Houston Rockets. With that being said, you look at their roster. They have guys like uh uh you know Lamella Ball and and uh PJ Washington and they have uh I don't know if Ubre's healthy or not but they have Ubre Terry Rozier uh, Terry Rozier is a really really good player and a, a primetime scorer like they have one of those teams that if you mess around they steal a game and what might not mean a lot to them would really really hurt us so at this point it doesn't really matter who we play worst team or best team we have to understand that these last 21 games are really going to be the dependent on where we end up uh if we're going to the playoffs or not. So it's a big game. Tomorrow's a big game. Big game for us. All right. Let's, let's, let's close it off right there. 
looking forward to speaking with you next week. Good luck tomorrow. And hopefully, maybe we'll have to edit out that Rihanna stuff because I don't want anyone coming at me. Yeah, you thought if, if you thought Beyonce's beehive was bad, you, you, Riri's Riri has some hardcore fans there. I think Riri did an amazing job. I think she looked gorgeous. The fact that she did it was pregnant was amazing. Obviously, you are more on the side that you didn't really like her and you thought her being pregnant was offensive and all that. So it's okay. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, we'll end it there, everyone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. In. I'm just kidding.